With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome in to a Tuesday, September 13th edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I am your co-host Julian Edlow along with Steve Buchanan. We are from DraftKings. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Julian Edlow at SBuchanan24 and the podcast at Unreasonable Odd. No S. Week one in the books uh we will be talking to johnny avello of dk sportsbook as we did before week one we'll be talking to him actually on our thursday edition thursday september 15th of the podcast this week not today probably because johnny is still sitting somewhere counting money on uh behind the book of DraftKings sportsbook because man did the public get whacked in week one of the nfl um Real quick, one way maybe you didn't get whacked is if you were using those uh, easy uh, early win promos. If you mm. bet the Bills money line on Thursday night football, 7 nothing first drive of the game, you instantly cashed your tickets. Uh, and the, it was a 10-point promo if we, if we went to the Sunday games, which let me go ahead and pull these up, Steve. If you happened to, for some reason, I don't know why, but uh, it was a crazy week one, so maybe you did, bet Texans. Falcons, 49ers, or Titans on the money line, those teams all went up 10 and you cash your tickets, yet none of those teams won the game. One. Yep. Say none of them won the game because Houston obviously tied the game. One of the many results uh, that was just out of hand in week one. The Ravens were that team, that seven-point road favorite, that covered and won and took care of everybody. I put a poll up on my Twitter, Steve, on Friday. I said, which team blows that touchdown-ish road favorite teaser on, whether it be teaser, money line? I put up, is it Ravens-Jets? Is it Niners-Bears? Is it um, Broncos-Seahawks? Or is it Colts-Texans? 8%, this time the public was was right, 8% of you said that it would be the Ravens, and so... That was the one that got through. The other 92% of you were correct because all those other legs blew it. Not to mention the Bengals lose at home as touchdown favorites over the Steelers. Uh, never had a chance to cover. 5 nothing turnover differential. But two kicks in the air to win the game, both miss. Yeah, uh, I, I keep rambling, but go ahead, Steve. Week, week one thoughts because it was madness. I mean, it should be illegal for ties first and foremost. And then it should be illegal I, for ties. Ties are dumb. A tie should also be more illegal in division. So ties, first of all, in d- division, ties, even worse. Um, 
just to just you kind of had a bad feeling the first hour or so of the games, right? It, like every favorite, every road favorite really did not look strong to start off the week, um, really with the exception of the Ravens and the Chiefs. Those were really the only two teams that were road favorites that you really kind of felt Chiefs confident about. Come, Chiefs did come through. I should have mentioned them. A team, yeah. by the way, that going into kickoff week was sitting at three and a half for a while and then smashed up to six and a half and that one cashed. Yeah, so the Chiefs obviously were um, the ones that I, I really did not have any uh, uh, lack of confidence about. The Ravens were in that same mix too as well. But like for the Colts to come out as flat as they did against the Texans was was shocking. And it was also one of the more popular survivor pool picks this week. So like you're already out week one. Like that, how awful is that? You you get all excited to play survivor pool and you're out week one. Like that's not how you want to start the 2022 season, but here we are. So uh, football is officially back. We're sitting here, you know, moaning and, and, and I almost said another word, but about how our bets went. So you know that NFL is officially back. Yeah, I mean, my two first bets of the year, I put these out in June. Um, I, I was on the Saints minus four and the Broncos minus four. Put them out in June. I said, I think these have the potential to close six, six and a half. Falcons yeah. Saints closed five and a half. Broncos touched seven at times, came back down to six. The analysis was spot on. Didn't matter. Wrong side uh, of, of those road favorites. The Saints at least came back and won the game. Falcons falconed. It was very similar to the to the Colts. I thought the Colts were going to come back and win too. Had a well, kick in the air to win it like many teams. Broncos had a kick in the air to win it. Uh, none of them go. Tough week for kickers uh, in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, the the CLV, the closing line value, didn't matter on, on any of those. So, yeah, I, I got uh, what I would call a good number on everything I played in week one and uh, got my butt kicked in week one. Um, you did a little bit better than me, I think. At least your best bet, I know you had the Eagles-Lions over, which was just a cakewalk. Yeah. That was, there was never any doubt about that too. And, you know, one of the biggest points that I liked about that game is that um, we always talk about how good the Eagles offensive line is. The Detroit Lions offensive line is also very good and it's going to give Goff plenty of time to throw. And he looked, uh, you know, he made some Goff moments in that game, but I thought overall he looked good against uh, a very strong overall Eagles team. But that team looked so good with the additions that they made in the offseason with A.J. Brown, the, the immediate uh, connection that Jalen Hurts had with him in week one. He was a huge reason why that won. But it also showed that that backfield is going to be nearly impossible to figure out on a week-to-week basis. Like what running back on the Eagles did not score or at least get a goal line carry in that game? It felt like it was just a carousel of running backs in that one. So that's going to be really tough to figure out. Um, the other game that I did do well on and I was happy about, and we talked about this on the show, I even said this game is going to end up ending and we're going to be like they were only three and a half point favorites dolphins against the patriots wasn't even it wasn't it was not even a competition here um i know mac jones ended up having some x-rays on his back he said he's good to go so you know obviously his status for week two isn't much of a question but holy crap does that patriots team look terrible and i was saying this too on the show we need to get this idea out of our head that the patriots have a strong secondary on defense they don't and that was really, I think, exposed rather quickly with the Dolphins, with Tyree Kill, with Jalen Waddle, doing able what they were able to do in that game. Stop fearing the Patriots as a defensive juggernaut because they are not that team anymore. Yeah, one of the only things I got right in week one was Miami minus two and a half. 
didn't matter that I got the good number. The Patriots only put up seven yeah. points. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, that I mean, I went against my own advice. We, we did a segment on this show, like if the Patriots don't look good early, maybe look to just get in on Miami worse at a live number, whether it's yeah. six and a half, nine and a half, whatever. All of those would have covered. I, I didn't do it, whatever, overwhelmed with work and everything else going on and my eyes on all the other games and I didn't do it. Uh, and, and I should have, um, one thing that I did play live, I was, I was looking all, you know, Minnesota went from that sharp dog to a favorite. That was one that I said, "Mm, keep your eye on that. If the Packers don't look right, get in live. I did get in live on Minnesota minus five and a half at one point in that game, because you could just tell the Packers weren't going to have it and, and wound up getting there. But, and any other week one takeaways, Steve, before we, uh, before we get into week two? Let me, let me pitch this to you. Did that win for the Vikings say more about the Vikings or more about the Packers? Cause that is one that I'm actually still a little torn on. Yeah. I think it says more about the Packers. Um, but isn't that really, see, and this is where I get confused. Isn't that like more expected? Cause like we expected Rogers to struggle with the guys that he has. Right. So maybe it's more about the Vikings at this point. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It really is both because what it says about the Packers, they're going to struggle without Adams and they didn't even have Lazard. That right. said, I don't mind the Packers to bounce back against the Bears who beat the Niners yes. in week one. Like this is what happened last last year. Uh, they the Green Bay law, took all the money lost. Uh, well, I guess Green Bay didn't have all the money this year, so that's the difference. But Green Bay took all the money last year, lost 38-3 to to the Saints in week one, and then dominated the Lions at home at Lambeau in week two. So maybe it'll be something along those lines. Uh, although the Green Bay got off to a slow start in that game before coming on late. Um, for the Vikings, I think it's we expected them to be good. Justin Jefferson was fantastic, uh, kind of as expected. I, but I like the coaching change, just getting O'Connell in yeah, of from Zimmer. Like that's gonna that's gonna help them. So I like Green Bay to bounce back in week two. But I, Devonte Adams isn't there. I, I don't like them overall uh, on the season. I think Minnesota, and this is something we talked about. And uh, you know, we'll be back more officially with the week two picks on the Thursday show, so we can talk a little bit more maybe about the market today. One that you yep. and I talked about getting worse prices on teams after week one to win the division, but it's still a good price. I think Minnesota getting a head to head win against green Bay and kind of getting a look at what green Bay is going to be. I think Minnesota, they were plus plus one fifty on DK Sportsbook, is a good bet to win, win that division. Yeah. I was just going to bring that up too. They, even though they beat the Packers handedly in that game, uh, still second best odds to win the division at plus plus one fifty. I think that's just, um, you know, maybe they're, you know, it feels like that the Packers will be able to bounce back in that game, uh, excuse me, in, in the weeks coming forward. But I just I love how the Vikings look if they stay healthy, like they have a very good team and they have a good group of receivers. Even Irv Smith Jr., who was silent in that game, is a big upgrade from what they had from last year with like whatever it was, Kyle Rudolph or whatnot. Like that's someone that wasn't even featured in that offense in the last game and another weapon for Kirk Cousins to go to. So getting them a plus 150 today, I think it's definitely something to consider for uh, the rest of the season. One other division one, uh, and this will tie us into kind of getting to look at week two. Um, I put out Eagles minus 140 in the NFC East in my article. I think it has gone up. Um, Minus 150. Minus 150. Okay. That's probably where I would go to on it. Minus 150. It's just, sure, you know, 
betting the Eagles minus 140 on Monday morning when you could have had them plus 150 on Sunday morning, you have to get over that. Because you know what we didn't know when we woke up on Sunday morning? That Dak Prescott would be getting hand surgery and the Cowboys would score three points and be 0-1 and and the Eagles would be 1-0. and And I don't care that Washington and New York won, although I give – I think the Giants are my second favorite team in that division without even – overreacting to week one because I'm low on the Titans. I, you know how I feel about the Colts in that division. Yeah. Um, but I, New York looks pretty good. That said, Eagles have the most talent in that division and will Dak out for a chunk yep. of time. Regardless, even when he comes back with what Dallas has and what we've seen, I think Philly's the side there. So let's kind of start to tie that into week two. Week two, by the way, if you did cash on, on any of those DK early win promos, um, that's going to be running again on Thursday night. So seven-point lead, instantly cash your ticket. It's Chargers and uh, Chiefs at Arrowhead. I, I like the Chiefs side in that one, although it's gone up to four. I got some early three. Um, so you got that promo again for, for Thursday night football. The Dak Prescott news, the, the look-ahead line on that game was Dallas minus two and a half hosting Cincy on Sunday. As soon as the line came out, I put out my play on Bengals minus six and a half in that game. It's now sitting at eight as we record on DK Sportsbook. Um, I was told by Sharps, you know, that's what are we at? That's a ten and a half point move on a quarterback. Uh, yeah. It's going to get bought back. Da, da, da. I don't care if Sharps buy this one back. I'm not going to get scared from week week one. Bengals minus six and a half is my spot for week two. Dallas was atrocious, and now you're going to have Cooper Rush out there. They put up three points, and you have a Bengals team coming off a home loss in which they lost the turnover battle five to nothing, yet had two kicks in the air to win the game and didn't. The turnover regression is going to go back the other way. Like they're not, Burrow's going to take care of the ball. Mixon looked good, Chase looked fantastic, uh, and they're going to score some points, and Dallas isn't going to be able to keep up. I don't care that it's the square play. This is my side teaser leg, whatever. Bengals are the first thing that jumps out to me in week two. Yeah, I, and I, I don't. Told, I don't. And hate I said, it. by the way, watch out for the Steelers plus seven. And I gave on the sweat my hot take: Steelers are going to beat the Bengals. So it's not like I've been all over the Bengals. It's just this is their spot. Yeah, you know, uh, Joe Burrow obviously showing the rust to start there coming back from the appendectomy mm-hmm. um the amount of tur- turnovers that he has was absurd have we heard official word on what status moving forward i don't know if that's come out yet that he's what his status is going to be uh moving forward after getting injured in that game talking about tj watt obviously getting injured in that game um what he's going to be sometime but i mean that uh, that brings us to patriots steelers Right. Uh, but so we'll, we'll get there in a second. Um, uh, so I'm a little bit conflicted on this Thursday game with, with Chargers and Chiefs. Um, I want to take the Chargers at four because obviously that's, you know, that would probably be the number right there. But uh, the the un, the unknown about Keenan Allen is kind of what's tripping me up a little bit here, who had a hamstring injury. Uh, the latest that we heard, I think, is as soon as this morning, as we're recording this Tuesday morning is that he's unlikely to play, but not officially uh, official there as of yet. So obviously that could be something that, you know, Josh Palmer gets some uh, extra targets. Uh, Austin Eckler, who is uh, actually Alan, fairly quiet. Alan's, in week out. One. Alan's out, I believe. Is he officially out? Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't love that. But I just feel like I don't. I definitely don't want to take 
the Chiefs at minus four. Like I feel like that if you're going to take anything in this game, it's probably Chargers at plus four or above at that point. How do you feel about Chargers at plus four? Nah, I think yeah. I think I, I like Kansas City here. Um, short week at home. The Chargers have gotten them in this spot before. They the Chargers did win at Arrowhead last year, which I think is right. on the Chiefs' uh, radar in this game. Um, I like the Chargers. They're they're a good team. I'm not fading them. I'm just backing. You know, I'm I'm down on Arizona. That helped Kansas City look good, but I, I just really like what I saw from Kansas City, even without Tyreek Hill, Kel- Kelsey's involved, um, spreading the ball around from Mahomes to the receivers. The defense was solid. That was a lot of just garbage time touchdowns from Arizona. Uh, I I just think with the AFC West, with all the additions, including Russell Wilson in in Denver, like everyone else is now getting hyped and people are forgetting about the chiefs who still should be and are the favorites. And uh, this is kind of a revenge spot after last year at Arrowhead to, to make some noise early in the season. Um, yeah. The big, I, I the other big difference years, a lot of people would be jumping all over the chiefs in this game. And now the chargers have become the trendy pick and I'll go the other way. The other thing to consider too, is that obviously the addition of Khalil Mack is so big for the Chargers. You know, they were able to win that game last year mm-hmm. without Mack to disrupt. And Mack looked unbelievable in that game against the Raiders. Six tackles, uh, three for a loss in that one, uh, three sacks I think he ended up finishing with, and and the fumble. And that is going to be such a difference maker for the Chargers, who are still going to be without J.C. Jackson, obviously their big acquisition in the secondary. But being able to disrupt Patrick Mahomes, I think, is going to be something that is going to be a potentially a big factor in this game because Mack is such a difference maker, and that's something they didn't have last year despite still winning that game. So uh, I'm leading Chargers in this one here. Um, I, you know, we will give our final picks when we record on Thursday, but it's Ah, if it was at th- when it when it got to four, that's I think when I really started getting some intrigue here. What else, Steve, jumps out to you early on on the week two board? Uh, before I just give some quick thoughts, I guess. I I, I think that uh, the Steelers are a great tease like this week going against the Patriots, getting them at plus seven and a half. Um, I just have zero faith in this Patriots team as a whole. They just they did not look good last week. They you know. Do I think the Steelers are going to be able to go up and down the field against them necessarily? No, but I, there is nothing the Patriots showed to me that they should be the favorites in this game against the Steelers. And obviously, you're not going to get that many turnovers from the Steelers against the Bengals like you did last time, but they were better even – like, take a couple of those turnovers away. They were still the better team than the Bengals last week. They should absolutely be the better team than the Patriots this week. So getting them as underdogs in this one, like, would you be surprised if this ended up shifting kind of like we saw with Minnesota and green Bay as we did in week one? Well, didn't it, it's kind of shifted the other, didn't it come down closer to a pick and then went back this way. So sharp money's coming in on the Patriots. It's a good spot in theory for the Patriots. Um, they had chances to score more points than they did in week one. They're, uh, coming off a, a double-digit loss, whereas the Steelers are coming off an upset win as dogs. Like the spot is Patriots, but I can't. I'm not betting on the Patriots because I don't. I don't, oh, can't. I don't believe in them, but I don't think I can go with the Steelers at this point. Like they just squeaked out a game that they won the turnover battle five to nothing. Um, 
and now they're coming back home after a big win. Like, I, I can't bet the Steelers. So I, I, I'm going to stay away in this game. Sharp money is going to be on the Patriots. Uh, and I, I just don't – I don't know. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me either way. It wouldn't shock me if the Steelers let down. It wouldn't shock me if the Patriots just look awful again. So I, I got to stay yeah. away from this one. One thing I was, I think, slightly surprised about to start off was seeing the Raiders as six-point favorites, home favorites against the Cardinals. Were you surprised that that, that says uh, – I was expecting a lot shorter odds, I guess I, I would say, than, than yeah, six points. maybe a little shorter, and I don't have the look-ahead number in front of me, but, like, man, um, Arizona looked bad. And, you know, Raiders coming off a, a loss, they were at least – like, Carr looked bad, but – they had a chance in that game still. Yeah. The Raiders should definitely be favored here. Maybe it's a little heavy. Uh, I think the Cardinals are just going to have a tough time. Like they could be a bad team. They finished last year bad. They play even worse without Hopkins. Um, and they were so overhyped coming out undefeated for, for however many weeks it was last year. I think they're due to take some steps back. So that that's another one, just not much of a feel, not going to touch it, not going to tease the Raiders down to get the win. Although I think that they should right. win. <clears throat> this is a tough week for, for teasers. When you look at the numbers across the board, right. um, a couple of spots that I do like, you know, saints plus three at home against the bucks, the bucks cruise against the Cowboys, but that said more about just how bad the Cowboys were. The bucks could only muster a touchdown there. Now Evans is, uh, or not Evans Godwin's out. Um, yep. And the Saints look awful against the Falcons before coming back and winning that game. Now they're at home. I think Brady uh, is one and four against the Saints, or one and four ATS against the Saints since since coming over to the Bucks. Um, this is just a bad spot for the Bucks. Good spot to buy on the Saints. I don't mind taking the three there. And then I like the Lions against Washington. They lost that home game, but offensively they showed they're very capable. Um, yeah, Washington is not going to have that, you know, they put up what 22 points in a comeback victory over the Jags. They're not going to have that firepower that the Eagles had to keep up in a game like that. I think this is where, uh, this is where the lions get their first win of the season. So outside of, uh, outside of getting Bengals at a good number at six and a half early, my favorite spot, uh, saints and, and lions are my two kind of early leans there um outside of the Bengals I, those two division plays were the ones that I put in my best bets are yeah. week two which is out on the DraftKings playbook um but I, like other than that now there's so many these these 10 point home favorites like Broncos Texans Packers Bears Bills Titans in the early Monday night game the 49ers are somehow getting nine against the Seahawks nine. do you bet what do you uh the Rams are laying 10 and a half against the Falcons what do you think about the Seahawks? Because they looked good. Uh, and the Niners, I know it's this, you know, mucky game in, in Chicago. I, I don't believe in, in the Niners. I, I think the Seahawks are better than people think. But I, I can't bet the Seahawks in this spot. Short week after the huge emotional game, the Russell Wilson Bowl, and now you're going on the road after Monday Night Football. I can't do it. But, I, like, I don't – normally if this were week three or week four like seahawks plus nine for sure i i, I can't i can't buy into either team right now like i, I don't feel like i saw the true team in either game but generally week, when right? you're saying that about two teams like oh i can't buy either of these teams we're talking about like a field goal for the home team we're talking nine yeah 
Right. And that I think that's what makes it so incredibly tough because like you have to throw almost everything out of that Niners Chicago game because of how much of a slop fest that was, although there was way too much scoring in the end. Because uh, did you end up taking that game to be the lowest scoring game of the of the of the uh, Sunday games? I took the Bears. I, I took the Bears. I the hot take or the the special that I gave out on our Sunday sweat show was Bears plus seven fifty to be the lowest scoring team. I took Bears yep. plus seven fifty to be the lowest scoring team. They had zero points with a few minutes left in the third quarter. <laughs> yep. So that was very disappointing. And then it ended up being the Patriots game that ended up being the lowest scoring on, on Sunday, I think is what it ended up happening. Because uh, the mm, Patriots just couldn't score. No. Uh, wasn't uh, the Sunday night game lower? It was Bucks cowboys which nobody had. Oh, you're right. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. Dallas oh, was that's the lowest right. scoring team, and that was the lowest scoring game, which would have paid yep, you're right. Stick. Um, yep. Oh, wow. I played the first oh, half. Oh, absolutely. I played the first half under. I put out the first half under in that game, which which cashed easily. But, uh, yeah, that was the game that we all overlooked, I guess. Yeah, I, I couldn't take any more beatings. I just I, – I passed on that game altogether. I couldn't take any more. It was the first Sunday of the year. Bet responsibly. Manage your bankroll. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I just I, – I can't buy into either the Seahawks or, or, or the Niners yet. Like, the Seahawks did look good. Geno Smith did look good. Uh, last night, uh, at, you know, Monday night against the Broncos. But, you know, this is a much better defensive team in the 49ers. You know, if they have Kittle back too, that's going to be a big boost to that offense. So uh, I just can't buy into any team on this one. I actually might end up playing the under 42 and a half. I think that if you were going to take a play in this one, I feel like that might be the play under 42 and a half. Because once you start disrupting Geno Smith, I think that's really where um, that's where the Seahawks are going to start to uh, – to, become shaky on the field all right i have one more game that we will uh touch on unless you have anything else and then uh i have a couple of baseball questions for you and then we'll we'll you know get to more heavy hitting nfl on thursday any other game you want to talk about before i go one more no go ahead all right jags colts Awful uh, look for the Colts on Sunday, tying Houston. They did what they always do. They come out and look awful in week one, but then come back from whatever, 20 to three in the fourth quarter, come back for the 2020 tie, miss a game-winning kick. Um, I don't know how to play this one. The Colts have lost, what is it, like six, seven in a row at Jacksonville. Um, Never a spot that they win but they're coming off such a letdown. I I don't mind. I'm not, I haven't bet it, but I don't mind Indy minus four. It's such a good matchup for them, but I think the better bet than Indy is probably just going to be Taylor props again. Indy went down 20 to three against Houston. Taylor still managed 31 carries. Now I know the game went to overtime, so extra work, but 31 carries for 161 in a touchdown in a game that the Colts trailed wire to wire, essentially, until it was tied up. Um, you want to look at the games against Jacksonville last year for Taylor. 21 carries, 116 and a touchdown. And then in the the one later in the year, 15 for 77. That was an under. I'm probably going to – and I passed on Taylor rushing yards. I don't know why. I just – Yeah, did. that was a mistake. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get there yet again in in week two, win or lose, and I think win for uh, for the Colts. 
No, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think that's definitely the route to attack this one game. I don't really like either side in the game overall, but I think with the Taylor process, that's going to be the way to go. All right. Uh, we'll be back with, with NFL plays uh, with Johnny Avello to go go over the the week one uh, the week one thrashing that the public took, preview some week two, um, all for the Thursday pod. Uh, as well as a guest to to give out our our week two plays with with Steve and I. But before we wrap up, I do want to talk some baseball, Steve, because I have some questions. Um, something that I love to do, regardless of sport, is bet these award markets in season. Now, I don't mind getting a, a quote unquote. I'm using air quote air quotes here. A bad number because yeah. whatever cease 12 to 1 Cy Young in April May All-Star break cool that's what I got but we know yes you do I don't but we know what we know now this is like the DAC injury and taking the Eagles minus 150 versus plus 150 a day later to win the division there's there's what is it Verlander at at plus 105 and that's the only other guy in the the equation in the to win the AL yeah. Cy Young, and he's hurt. What is Verlander's timeline here? Like, when is he going to pitch again? The Astros should be saving him for the playoffs. And you have Cease minus right. one forty, who is probably, if it was given out today, the guy, and he's going to get you know a few more starts here to close out the season to kind of wrap it up for a White Sox team that's battling for a division. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm surprised that this hasn't that this took so long to kind of shift from. From Cease, uh, from Verlander to Cease, because I like Cease was literally untouchable after getting absolutely rocked against the Red Sox on May 24th. He gave up seven runs on eight hits through three innings, like that. And before that, two starts before that, six runs on six hits through four innings against the Yankees. He was getting rocked, wasn't doing well. Then after that, he didn't give up more than an earned run from May 29th to almost. Three months later, on August 16th, he gave up more than an earned run. That's a ridiculous like that, treat. It's ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. And <clears throat> Verlander was doing good. He's still good. But it's like he wasn't as dominant. Like he's, I think he's still striking out less than a batter and ending at this rate. Like it's close. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. It's close. Um, but this is Kane right now. 9.1. So he's just over that threshold. He's striking over a batter and ending. Cease has... Unbelievable strikeout stuff. His, his his strikeout per nine innings is over in the double digits, 10 or 11. Um, and I think if the Astros are smart, they just call it curtains with, with Verlander until the playoffs. That's kind of what you I was 20, thinking. I didn't know yeah, if, you you knew, just, if you knew anything there because I haven't. I just glanced at this this morning, Tuesday, September 13th, yeah. and um, <clears throat> didn't do any research on like where Verlander's at. Like, Do we know anything about a Verlander return date because I'm thinking if he doesn't pitch again, no, the minus 140 on Cease is that's it. No, so the idea is is that he potentially could come back later this week. He's going to play catch uh, coming up, is, and then potentially when did last start. When's he going to start again? I ask because I'm seeing uh, how so much time I can buy myself on the Verlander news before Cease pitches again to try and get it at the right time without it moving. Yeah, so. Uh, so Cease actually should be pitching tomorrow, I believe. Oh, all right. he should tight be. window. If he's, if, if he's, yeah, it's a very tight window. But 
still, that being said, like, <clears throat> I think it should go to Dylan C's. Like, now, obviously, my opinion doesn't matter. But when you put these two together and look at what they've done over the, the course of the season, I think this is should be C's. And I'm glad that he is the favorite right now because I think he should be. I think he should have been a while ago. And that's not even because I'm invested in it. I'm just talking truly. Like, if Verlander has, has been pitching better – then I would say, yes, Verlander is the guy who should be getting this. I think yeah. it should be Cease. Um, so if he is pitching tomorrow, which is I'm trying to confirm uh, right now, I'm just trying to see who his matchup would be against. Okay, so it's Cease against the Rockies. So that's a great start in in Chicago. They're not in Colorado. They're in Chicago. That's a, That should be a good start for him. Uh, some good strikeout upside there. Obviously, the Rockies' offensive numbers away from what the um, Coors Field are dramatically different and not in a good way. Uh, so this should be a spot where Cease um, should dominate, and he should be. He's getting close to getting his ERA under two. He's at two point oh six on the season. So if he does, if he has a couple good starts, he has the potential to be under two for the season. That should be your Cy Young. And let me add on Cease and Verlander. I know went head to head at least once this year, and the White Sox got that game. Cease won that game in the head to head, which. I don't know if you're a little old school and it's literally a coin flip between the two and a guy won the head to head. I don't know. That's means something to me, I guess it probably doesn't mean anything to baseball nerds, but that, that being said, cease was not strong in that start though, either. So that is that, that that should be mentioned too. Again, like I, I, I can't believe, you know, people love betting preseason awards at big numbers. I can't believe that that sports books like DK Sportsbook give us the opportunity to like what's the last day of the baseball season? Two weeks from now, we've been playing uh, for months. No, no, it's going into. We've been playing yeah. for months every day, and there's just a couple weeks left, and you can still bet these awards. Which I know it's minus one forty, and Steve has twelve to one or fourteen to one or whatever. But knowing what we know now, like this is what I did in NBA. I bet I bet Jokic. It was at least at a at a good plus number. I think plus one seventy five or whatever it was late in the season to win the NBA MVP. And what do you know? You won the award. Like it's, there's a couple weeks left in the season. We kind of know where things are going. Yeah. Um, so the other one I wanted to ask you, I've got my, my Julio Rodriguez AL rookie of the year ticket in pocket. Talked about hedging off at times. He's minus 2,500 right now. Um, I'm looking forward to cashing that one. I know you have him too. I don't get the NL. Um, Ryder yeah. had that monster strikeout game. I think he's touched as high as minus 300. Now he's back down to minus 140 on DK Sportsbook after yeah, I, he lost on Monday night, right? Did the Braves lose that game? Let me look it up right now. But, against, the, against the Giants? I, well, I know he went over his strikeout prop. Um, yeah, he, was at, he had nine. Yeah, nine strikeouts, but they lost the game. Oh, they almost Correct. came back and won. Yeah, they lost the game by one. Um, so I don't get why Strider's going backwards and it's to his teammate, Michael Harris, who bats what, like six, seventh yep. in the lineup hits over 300, a lot of doubles, 18 home runs. I looked pretty good, but like that Braves lineup, he's what, like the third, fourth, fifth guy in the Braves lineup that got them where they, where they got to Strider mm-hmm. is their is their ace and like could be in the Cy Young conversation. How is Strider minus 140? What am I missing? Because I think I'm going to bet two. Minus 140 NLB awards today. Cease to win the Cy Young and Strider to win the the NL NL Roy. I think here's the thing with with Michael Harris. Um, The second half of the season for him has been absurd. Absolutely absurd. Um, 10 home runs, 30 RBI, 35 runs scored. 
in the second half, hitting 339. So far this month, he's hitting over 400 this month. Oh, okay. um, so has strong, come up big for them. Strong finish. Strong finish. Has come up big for them. Uh, before the Mariners came back and beat the Braves on Sunday, Harris had one of one of the home runs to put them back in because they were down by four runs. Harris had a three-run home run in the ninth to get the Braves back into this game. He has done this over and over and over again. And I think the thing that people overlook too, the majority of his games this season, he's been hitting ninth. 64 games this season hitting ninth. When he's batting ninth. Well, let's put it this way. He's hitting ninth. Okay. Out of the nine hole, he's hit 303 with 12 home runs, 38 RBI, 44 runs scored. To get that type of production out of the nine hole is absurd. That guy hitting ninth is like a literally almost like a guy who should be hitting fourth or fifth, getting that in the nine hole. So he's getting all of these runs because he's constantly getting on base. And then the Braves lineup up top is so good. Right. They're knocking so him I, in. So his numbers are so inflated hitting ninth. So my right. Season. So I'd look at that as a not a negative, but like not something that helps him. Because if they're just gonna <clears throat> use him hitting ninth and you're just using your good hitters at the top of the order to get him in when he should be a guy that's higher in the in the order. I don't know. It's like that old trick. Well, he, he he has been hitting. He has been moving right. up because they have to. Hitting, they have to move. Him I saw he's been hitting sixth, right. but like it's that old yeah. trick of like use your second best leadoff man to hit ninth. I know you lose in at bat, but it just kind of starts the cycle of the top of your order higher. That's kind of what they're they're doing with him. I don't know if that makes him less or more valuable is what I'm saying versus like the value that Strider has. And again, this isn't an MVP award. It's a rookie of right. the year, which is, you know, a little bit more open to interpretation. So uh, for me, it's like what, what member of the team has been more valuable? The lean for me is Harris because of the contributions and the clutch hits that he's had. Strider has been phenomenal, and I, there's nothing that I can take away from how good that he's been for someone that wasn't really even in the plans of their rotation to start the year. But when I think about like clutch moments, big moments, um, and the value to the team as a whole, I give a slight edge to Michael Harris. Hmm. All right. Maybe talking me off that one a little bit. I like Strider. I don't quite get it, but... All right, we'll see. If I play anything, I'm going to put it out on Twitter. My MLB, my MLB season record, not good as you'd imagine, but um, and I'll put that out. But my futures card, I'll highlight. These are futures plays, so I'll be retweeting it with my futures. My futures card is looking pretty strong. Um, parting thoughts, Steve. We'll see you on Thursday. For Steve Buchanan, for Julian Edlow, for the Unreasonable Odds podcast, we will be back on Thursday, talking everything NFL Week Two. Um, we'll have Johnny Avello to give a look behind the DraftKings Sportsbook. We will have a special guest to give out plays. Speaking of plays, we didn't give out anything concrete today that you can still get. College football, Friday night lights, FSU at Louisville. Louisville played last week, went on the road as six-point dogs, beat UCF after getting smashed by Syracuse as a favorite in week one. I think Louisville's being a little bit overvalued here. You're coming off a big win, a little bit of a letdown spot here on Friday night against a um, FSU team that is coming off a bye week and got that road win over LSU. So now FSU has two weeks to prepare for a team coming off a big emotional road win on the Friday night game. And Jordan Travis looked really good at quarterback 
in that LSU game um, for the Seminoles. I bet it at a minus 130 money line, put it out on Twitter. I like it up to minus two and a half. It is at uh, Louisville. FSU Friday night is going to take down Louisville. Right, Steve? I wrote it down. I wrote it down with a crayon. Beautiful. You always have crayons on you, it seems, uh, to take notes, which is rather childish. For unreasonable odds, we will see you on Thursday. Thank you, guys. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you know anyone that has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.